Welcome to the Pillow Talk Podcast, the show where all things shy matters. It's a place where we'll explore our most uncomfortable topics and discover ways to better manage ourselves. So allow your mind to escape. Go to your favorite space. This is a safe zone and no subject is off limit. It's time to start talking about that thing that you've been avoiding. Welcome to the Pillow Talk Podcast. I'm your host, community wellness instructor and educator, Coach Flo. Pillow Talk is a platform designed to discuss issues commonly experienced within our communities, households, worship, and working spaces. Let's jump right into our shy topic. Dating someone who, in the midst of their addiction and not receiving help, can be nightmarish. What do I mean by that? Simply put, having an intimate connection with someone addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity can feel like a horror scene from a movie. But the reality is, it's really real. The emotional devastation creates fresh emotional complications for everyone it affects. In particular, drug addictions distorts everyone's life it touches, manipulating their emotions, and crushing their hopes time and time again. Nothing will ever be the same as long as the drugs are the dominant influencer. In this episode of Pillow Talk, we examine addictive behaviors, enabling, and the science behind the chaos is explored. Let's talk about it.
Addiction is a disease. It thrives on denial, deflection, deception, and dishonesty. Keeping secrets in substance abuse or pornography or gambling or even eating disorders supports each other. Having a secret means holding on to shame. A person hiding their behaviors are not always successful at lying to themselves, though. Each addiction worsens with maintaining that secret. We all have inner demons. When we're not running towards them, they're hunting us. Secrets make you sick, though. Dr. David Sack, author of No Addiction Without Lies, No Recovery Without Truth, says that lies are a natural and automatic way of life for addicts as a result of disease thinking. They do this to keep enablers or their supporters around to avoid stigma and maintain their drug habit. Addicts tell big or small lies just to feel important or keep up appearances or avoid rejection or judgment. When I say drug habits, I'm referring to an actual substance, a thing, or an activity. Substances like heroin, alcohol, or cocaine. Things like internet surfing, pornography, or risk-taking. And activities like sex, eating, or collecting. So I'm not just referring to illicit drug use when I say drugs. Because you can be addicted to, like I said, a substance, a thing, or an activity. Being involved in a romantic relationship with someone who is active in their addiction can feel like you're in a tiny boat, adrifting in hostile and unfamiliar seas with 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 no safe land or nowhere to land in sight, period. Just everything's just all over the seas. Some of the emotional reactions created in the partnership are guilt, fear, helplessness, depression, anger, and resignation. Resignation. It's at a certain point, Addicts, they just simply give up on themselves, on their lives, on their missions, on their outlooks. Just give up. Anger. They get angry at themselves for their behavior or angry at others who try to confront them about their behavior and angry at the world for abandoning them anyway and leaving them without hope for a better future. So they're angry. They use a lot of you statements. You do this. You make me feel. You, 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 you. That's to deflect so that they could deceive and be dishonest while living in denial. Depression. It prevents them from achieving their goals, meeting their personal responsibilities, and controlling their fate. All of this can contribute to feelings of deep sadness and depressions and the changes in the brain caused by a chemical that's being released. But we're going to get to that. Helplessness. Most addicts try to quit on their own many times, but are unable to be successful. 
After a while, they begin to feel helpless, y'all. Against their own addiction, which is yet another emotion that damages their self-esteem and feelings of personal power. Fear. People fear the stigma of exposure and the possible loss of relationships, employment, a sense of personal dignity. All of that can result from others discovering the truth. That's why we're here at the Pillow Talk. We need to talk about it. Because a lot of us are dealing with or involved in a romantic relationship or have a family member who we deeply care about who's suffering from drug abuse or eating disorder, gambling, hoarding. And that ultimately their greatest fear is that they'll lose everything they value most including their own health and freedom. Guilt. Denial side, addicts are usually aware of the stress and heartache their behavior causes for their loved ones. And their guilt at not being able to stop can be overwhelming. Unfortunately, guilt and shame chip away at a person's self-esteem. And a lack of self-esteem can make it more difficult for addicts to find the courage to quit using, quit abusing, and get the proper help, care, medical treatment that they really need. These are behaviors of addicts. Signs to indicate that they're struggling with their addiction include using that substance or participating in that activity or thing despite the consequences. Manipulative behavior, lying, hiding, and irritability. You're lying about anything. Oh, it's not raining today, or it's going to rain today to avoid going out. Isolation and secretive behavior. Changes in appearance. If you notice this in your loved one or your significant other, these are are, are Sure signs to indicate that they are struggling with this addiction and trying to break through to them, communicating with them, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Waking up, half past five Blood on pillow, one bruised eye Drunk too much, you know what I'm like But you should have seen the other guy This ain't the right time for you to fall in love with me Oh baby, I'm just being honest and I know my lies could not make you believe Running in circles, that's why I'm in my dark time I'll be going back to the street Promising everything I do not need 
Let me bum a smoke So coming down Dripping through I got another man's blood on my clothes But it ain't his fault It's the life I chose This ain't the right time For you to fall in love with me My baby, I'm just being honest Can never make you believe Running in circles That's why In my dark times I'll be going back to these streets Promising everything I do not mean In my dark times Baby, this is all I could be Only my mother could love me for me In my dark times In my dark times I've still got some problems I know Driving too fast but just moving too slow And I've got something I've been trying to let go In my dark time, taking him back to the street, making those promises that I could not keep. In my dark time, baby, this is all I could be. Only my mother could love me for me. In my dark time, taking it down to the ever had an addiction yes i've had several <laughs> jada pinkett smith opens up about her struggles with addiction i'm hoping that it will give people the freedom also in their lives to find their truth the 46 year old actress got extremely candid on the latest episode of her hit facebook watch series red table talk where she revealed her addiction to sex my sort of addictions jump they jump around. When I was young, I definitely think I had a sex addiction <laughs> of some kind. <laughs> yes, that everything could get be fixed by sex. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Or it's the, the thing, behavior. It's the behavior that's attached to it. Because you, if you want to have a lot of sex, that's great. But why are you having all that sex? That's what you got to look at. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Sex wasn't the only obstacle she's faced. I became a gym addict. I was just in the gym constantly. just, And then... I remember reaching a rock bottom. That time I was in the house by myself and I had those two bottles of wine and was going for the third bottle and it was like, now hold up, you in this house by yourself going on to your third bottle of wine, you What's might have on? a problem. <laughs> Jada says she was able to combat the issues herself. I went cold turkey. That's the thing about me. I can go cold turkey. Yeah. 
I am a binger and I always have to watch myself and just how I can get just obsessed with things and you know it's not what you're doing but how you're with it right why you're doing it one of the kind of um, downfalls to celebrity is that you kind of fall into a space where you think you have to be a certain thing for other people and yeah. I've just gotten into my life into a place in my life where I'm ready to dissolve all that you know what mm -hmm. I mean and and be more of what I am truly and I don't know if people are ready but I know I am addiction is a disease but what does that actually mean First, it's important to understand how our brain's reward center works. When we eat, drink water, or are intimate, our brain releases dopamine, a chemical that says, let's do that again. This is important for our survival because we are rewarded for doing things that keep our bodies alive and healthy. There are other activities that cause dopamine to be released as well, like exercising or playing video games. Your brain prioritizes activities which are most important to survival. The activities that produce more dopamine, like eating, are going to take priority over others. Now consider alcohol or other drugs. These substances also cause a dopamine release, oftentimes in much greater amounts than survival-based activities. So your brain is fooled into thinking that these substances are necessary. So when does alcohol or other drug use cross over from recreational to addiction? When someone's ability to achieve their goals is affected by drug use, such as by creating problems at home or work, or developing physical side effects, addiction is likely the cause. So why don't people just stop? Because addiction is a disease. In 1956, the American Medical Association declared that alcoholism was an illness. In 1991, they announced that alcoholism would now be classified as both a psychiatric and medical condition. The criteria to identify as a disease is that it must be biological in nature, is not caused by someone's actions, has observable signs or symptoms, has a predictable timeline of its development and recovery, and treatment impacts the recovery. Addiction is a chronic disease, much like diabetes or hypertension, with symptoms that have to be controlled over a lifetime. Just like with those diseases, genetics can play a big role in addiction. If one parent has addiction, their children are six times more likely to be addicted. But addiction is complicated. Factors like biology and altered brain functioning play a role. So does psychology, such as negative emotions, including stress and anxiety, and even social and environmental factors like family, peers, and culture, can all contribute to the complexity of how addiction is experienced differently for some rather than others. What are the signs of addiction? Symptoms of addiction can be seen both behaviorally and physically. Behavioral signs and symptoms can include changes to a person's daily activities, relationships, goals, or motivation. Physical signs and symptoms also focus on changes, such as changes in weight, skin appearance, sleep patterns, or energy levels. Why don't people get treatment when they're addicted? People may not realize that they are addicted. It's the brain's dysfunction that undermines the ability to recognize and do something about addiction. Or, if they do realize it, 
They may not want to stop or seek treatment due to how they have rationalized their use, the fear of detox, feelings of shame or stigma, or even the logistics of cost or time away from work and family. People who are addicted are good people with a bad, chronic disease. Remember that no one chooses to be an addict or an alcoholic. It's not a moral failing, and it's not about lack of will. Addiction is a physical, psychological, and spiritual disease that knows no boundaries and can affect anyone. Do you or someone you love need help? Reach out today. You're worth it. My name is Tiffany, and I am a recovering drug addict. I was addicted to drugs for 10 years, and I have five years clean. I am not a doctor or a psychiatrist. I am an addict. But I feel like somebody out there needs to hear what I want to share with you today. And that's why I'm in my closet in the middle of the night making this video. I have a Facebook group. I posed a question to the group. And I said, if you could give one meaningful piece of advice to the loved one of an addict, what would it be? And I got 150 responses from people in active addiction, people with multiple years clean, and people who have never touched a drug in their life, but have a loved one who's addicted. I want to tell you the top answers that I got because the amount of people that are dying each day from overdoses is astounding. And nobody knows what to do and everybody's running around feeling helpless and hopeless. So I'm hoping that by giving you some perspective from the mouth of an addict that it might help and give you some insight. And it might not, and that's okay too, but I gotta try. One of the answers that I got a lot was let them fall. If you have a loved one who's addicted and you're running around chasing them with a pillow to catch them and soften their fall before they hit rock bottom, they're never gonna experience the consequences of their choices. And as an addict, we have to be so sick and tired of living that lifestyle that we want to make a change. And once we want to make a change, only then will we become willing to do whatever it takes to bust our butts for a new life. Which is why as a loved one of an addict, you have to make sure that whatever you're doing is not helping us to continue living comfortably in that active addiction lifestyle. And that brings me to number two, enabling. There's a difference between enabling and loving, and I can break it down and make it really simple for you. If an addict is happy with you, you're probably enabling. If an addict is angry at you, you're probably trying to save their life. Enabling essentially is loving someone to death. The thing about enabling, which this is the part that's going to tick some people off, and I'm sorry in advance, if you love an addict and you are giving them a warm bed to sleep in at night, you are giving them money, and you are buying them cigarettes, you are doing things to make their lives easier. You are not doing it to help them. You are doing it to help you. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad or feel guilty. I'm just trying to share the truth with you because it's imperative that you recognize this. I can't imagine how hard it is to watch your son or daughter wither away to a shell of the person that they used to be to the point where they're unrecognizable. I can't imagine it. It's devastating. I'm just hoping to let you know from the addict's point of view so that maybe you can reevaluate some choices that you're making. Hopefully you can get this person on the right track to getting better. And you can love that person and tell them, I, I love you so much and I'm here for you and I will always be here for you. I just can't give you money anymore. I can't let you stay here. And it's because I love you. And that addict is probably going to call you names and tell you that they hate you and they hope you die. And you have to decide which is more painful for you to be called names and have your loved one be angry at you or to bury that person. Somebody in the group said, make sure that you don't cut yourself from picking up their broken pieces. When you love somebody, you want so desperately to fix them. 
But the truth of the matter is, as an addict, nobody's coming to save me. I have to save myself. You have to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Another thing is you have to know that it's not your fault. You cannot blame yourself. My stepfather was a police officer. My mom was a paralegal. My upbringing was amazing. I was a cheerleader. Everything was good, but the problem was me and the problem was within me. And there's nothing that my parents could have said or done differently that would have prevented the way that I turned out. It was just something in me, which is why it's up to me to fix it. The last thing I want to tell you is that if your loved one is out there and they're using, but they have breath in their body and a beat in their heart, then it is not too late for them to change. And you should always, always, always keep hope alive. And there's no such thing as a lost cause. You have to know that. Every T, I don't dot every I. Got more flaws than a little, and I messed up a thousand times. I don't always commit, sometimes I give up way too quick. And then I get tired of trying to run away from who I am to who I want to be. Some days are better than others, I can be up and I'm down, but beyond my mistakes. And this one thing will never change You still love me In spite of me You still chose me Can it be Thank you.
Plan it. Let's figure it out. Thanks for listening to me. I'm your host, Coach Flo. And as always, I'm going to remind you to keep it real with yourself so that the rest could fall in place. If you cannot think, you cannot win. And baby, you're a winner. I enjoyed speaking with you. (laughs) 